Hello everyone and welcome back to the Benchwarmers podcast. We are, is right, we have changed the name from Football Weekly. It will still be the exact same practically as Football Weekly, but we have opted to change the name uh, for reasons. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Sykes. You alright? Uh, and of course, Josh is an FA Level 1 football coach, so we can trust what he's saying. As well as that, uh, he's the chairman slash manager slash player of Blame NFC, a Sunday league club we are currently all in. Uh, I myself, Gabriel Ramsey, I, I am the chairman slash captain of Blame NFC. We're kind of all in this together. Uh, but yeah, it's our Sunday league club. If you want to hear more about that, you can find it on our Twitters, which we'll tell you at the end. Um, yeah, uh, but as usual, we talk about what's happened in the world of football in the past seven days. Um, one of the biggest things which has happened and we kind of have to talk about is, of course, a Newcastle United takeover, which looks to be underway by um, the Saudi prince, Mohammed bin Salman. I think that's who it is. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yes, that's right then. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mohammed bin Salman, um, he is... In the process of ratifying a proposed 300 million takeover of the club by Amanda Stavely, is that how you pronounce her name? Stavely? Stavely? I'm going to say Stavely. Stavely, yes. Uh, all right. Amanda Stavely's Saudi backed consortium, uh, which of course includes Mohammed bin Salman. However, it will be Yassir Al Rumayan, a lot of the Saudi people in here, uh, who is the head of the Saudi Public Investment Fund, aka PIF, as they call themselves, which will, and he will be the one taking over as chairman of Newcastle United. Uh, and it will be Stavler who will be involved in the day-to-day running of the club. To put this into perspective, by the way, of how big news this is for Newcastle, obviously they're not really getting along with Mike Ashley. In general terms, he's a bit of a dodgy figure, if that makes sense. Obviously, he tried to declare uh, Sports Direct, which is another business he owns, as a essential business, when it clearly it's not, obviously. He put his own workers at risk uh, and tried to keep them open. Uh, but to put this into perspective, Newcastle United, if this deal was, is to go through, which it looks likely at this point, uh, they will be the richest owners in the Premier League by some margin. Uh, he, The owner of it will possess £260 billion, that's how much he's currently worth, and second place will be £23 billion with the Manchester City. So you look at Man City, we're bringing all these big names, times that by about 20, probably more um, at this rate. I'm sorry, I failed maths. Uh, uh, with <laughs> with this Newcastle, um, well, oh no, it's massive news for the club. Uh, Josh, you got anything to say on it? Yes, so it's going to the takeover itself is going to be broken down to three um, three shares. So the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which is headed by the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, they will take an eighty percent share of Newcastle United. Amanda Stavely, her company, PCP Capital Partners. Um, they were also involved in the takeover of Manchester City um, back in 2008. They will take a 10% share of Newcastle. And British businessman Ruben Brothers, they will take up the other 10% share of Newcastle. Um, so on that, uh, it's come out in the last couple of hours that current manager Steve Bruce will be given till the end of the season to prove himself to the new owners that he can get Newcastle into European football. So I'm guessing they're heading for Europe next season, Gab. So they're looking for six players in a bowl. <laughs> yeah, they're going to need to be bringing a lot of different players, I think, if that's the case. They can't really see... Um, who have they even got now? Um, Dubravka. I mean, they've got Joel leaving the line, who is uh, the best striker in the Premier League. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, without Alma running behind him. He's got something like three goals, I think. <laughs> Good striking in the Premier League, you know. <laughs> European quality striker. Uh, we obviously going to need a lot of sides, but they will probably they will get be getting that with um with these new owners. But uh, like I just said, it, it's currently good news for Steve Bruce, who looks like he'll be staying to lead them to Europe. 
But if not, this is big news for other managers who will now be looking at Newcastle United, a team which is backed by a brilliant number of fans. Uh, a lot of managers are now currently interested in taking over the job, uh, including uh, former Tottenham manager Mauricio Pochettino, uh, former, Ju- former Juventus manager Massim- Massimo Allegri. I don't know if that's how he pronounced his first name. Colin Max Allegri. Uh, Max Allegri then. And then, uh, sorry, another name, but I f- can't find it now. Former Newcastle United manager Benitez. Yeah, that right, that right. Yeah, Rafa Benitez. Uh, it'd be some story if he came back to the club after a... Uh, uh, leaving uh, previously. Well, eventually, I can I can say this probably for a fact that the Newcastle fans would love to have him back because they had no problem in being charged with the fact that he went back to the championship with them and stuck with them in the championship, brought them back up for the time winning the league into the Premier League and guided them to safety. The only reason he left is because he wasn't offered the um, the funds that he thought he needed to secure Newcastle back again. So it was in bad. Mm. Yeah, I've, along with this, uh, Newcastle United fans have also been labelled naive by Simon Jordan, who is the current owner of Crystal Palace, and he's believed to actually be involved in the buying of Newcastle, uh, along with his, I think it's his brother, uh, where's it gone? Uh, I think brothers. Pardon? I brothers. Uh, yeah, 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 that's him, yeah, the, Ru- the Ruben brothers, whatever he's called. Uh, yeah, that's one, yeah. Yeah, Simon and David. Uh, yeah, but they're also backed by Saudi Arabian prince. Um, but yeah, I think it's good news for Newcastle, of course. Uh, Mike Asher is not a good character to be in football. Uh, and uh, hopefully this will be the way that they can now rise as a club and hopefully be pushing for Europe because they've got the fan base to support that. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so. Newcastle is a big club at the end of the day. They've got a fan base of 50 odd thousand every single week, rain or shine. Um, they've got no qualms about being there. They've got... I regret anything. They just send their arts out every single week, home away. Um, and I think this will do them some good because when Mark Ashley took over, he's a multi billionaire and that was meant to give Newcastle hope. At the end of the day, I think he's a Newcastle fan. So he was meant to be to lead them to, to Europe, to buy titles, to trophies. The only trophies managed to deliver is uh, the championship. Uh, probably not the trophy that they wanted. Uh, so, yeah, I reckon takeover, it could really be a new beginning for Newcastle. I know that was a Kaiser takeover, but this is much, much bigger. At the end of the day, they're worth 10 times more than Man City owners. So, yeah. they've got money to buy the players I needed to get them into Europe like they yeah, and you, um, it's, it sounds crazy, but the coronavirus is probably good news for Newcastle United fans when it comes to Mike Ashley, because it's all these crippling financial issues which are making him sell the club, apparently. Uh, which is what he said. He is currently in Miami, by the way. <laughs> just, just found that funny. Um, he's not even, he's not even in Newcastle right now, helping out with the club's finances or anything like that. But he's actually in Miami, uh, which I mean, if he's probably soaking up in the sun or whatever, is, is it sunny in Miami? Miami? I could, I couldn't even tell you. Um, yeah, it, America. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, but um, if he's sunning up over there, he might be hoping to stay over there permanently. You never know. And hopefully, that'll be good news for him and Newcastle. Don't really know where I'm going with this, but just uh. Fun little side facts right there. Uh, yeah, but if you look at some of the players Newcastle could bring in as well, obviously there was that whole joke at the start of the season how Kylian Mbappe was linked with Newcastle United. It was very unlikely to ever happen, but now with the sort of money they possess, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the craziest story if he was to go there. Uh, if I mean, if you can see Man City being linked with Mbappe, for example, one of the best players in the world right now, uh, Man City, one of the biggest clubs in the world right now. If this, these owners are worth ten times the Man City are. You've got to look at it as if it's 10 times more likely to go to Newcastle at this point. 
because uh, you can certainly yeah, financially afford it. But when you think of things like that, um, there is a point and back in the season last year because there was rumour to be the pickle happening. Um, I mean, it, 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 it seems to happen every single year before transfer window that Newcastle rumour being taken over and it gets to the very last stage of the takeover. And by this point, it's like three days before the transfer window ends. Yeah. And um, Mike actually decides he doesn't want to sell anymore or he values a club far higher than what it's actually worth. I mean, I think it was only a couple of years ago he valued a club when they were in the championship and he was looking to sell something ridiculous like 500 million. Yeah, which obviously is silly for a championship club. It's been, I mean, you can understand people at the end of the day, but 300 million is a lot more likely to happen. And because of the current situation and because of the coronavirus and how things, how it is affecting football, and not only can see the takeover actually happening, I can see Newcastle being one of the only teams in the Premier League, along with maybe Man City, Man United and Liverpool, uh, that are actually able to go out and spend money in the summer. Yeah. Um... They'll, be able, they'll be able to afford it. They'll be able to afford the cut price of players. I mean, it came out this week that, um, I can't remember who said it, but Kylian Mbappe was recently rumoured to be worth around £262 million. Mm. Well, someone came out this week and revalued him at £40 million. <laughs> Yeah. So there was a, there be a massive change to the way football is structured, the way prices are structured. That if a player of Mbappe's standard is going for the likes of £40 million, yeah. then it's going to be a team like Newcastle because of how the financial situation is. That are going to be able to afford it. They'd be able to afford two hundred million, but they wouldn't spend it because of FFP. The four million may replicate FFP in general because all clubs will be able to afford prices like that. And it may seem like they could get a world class starting eleven. Yeah, going along with this, so the it looks like this takeover will be done by the hopefully the end of April. Uh, all that's left now to do is for the Premier League to conduct their fit and proper person test on Al Rumayan. Uh, hopefully, it would be better than the one that uh, the EFL carry out with the likes of uh, uh, sorry, with the likes of Bury and Bolton, even Oldham right now. Uh, hopefully, they'll be he will get passes fit and proper to run this football club, and hopefully, you know, it's good news on the horizon for Newcastle United after uh, quite a while of sitting around lower lower Premier League side, even dropping as far as Championship. Hopefully, it's good news, and hopefully, we'll be seeing more on it on the Netflix season three of Sunderland Till I Die, which will hopefully be coming out. And uh, seeing the Sunderland fans' reaction to their biggest rivals getting bought by, well, billionaire consortiums. Moving from the one of the richest clubs in England to one of the poorest clubs in England, then quite a dramatic change. We're going all the way down from the Premier League to the National League South, where Oxford City have been struck by, well, a bit of misfortune this week. Uh, after some Easter vandals broke into the stadium uh, and smashed up the press box at the Court Place Farm Stadium, which is what it's called. Uh, obviously, this is really bad news for the club who are currently financially in unstable. Uh, the repair bill that they've got to pay is up to one grand, which obviously might not sound a lot to other people. I mean, that's literally nothing to that, that Saudi Arabian prince who's buying Newcastle United. But to put that into perspective, uh, in non-league, the National League clubs are set to receive approximately 58 grand each uh, with 13 grand going to each National League North and South clubs. Uh, Oxford City are currently in the National League South. And um, so basically, for 13 grand, that will pay approximately a fortnight's wages, which is two weeks, uh, as Josh had to 
tell me because I couldn't even wear that myself. Um, they're going to get paid 13 grand, which is about two weeks' wages from the non-league, which obviously isn't a huge amount. On top of that, they've got to pay for this finances, uh, this financial problem with the stadium to fix uh, fix it up. Uh, also, they have a lease on the stadium, meaning they have to constantly pay for that as well, which isn't great. Uh, it's going to make it difficult for them to bring new players. They didn't have a great season, actually, in National League South, um, fighting to stay up, to say the least, um, along with that. So it's not great news for the club, but their... Sorry, I just read it. Um, the finance director, Paul Lyon, is warning that it could take Oxford City, and as well as this, several other National League North and South clubs, years and years to get over the coronavirus, uh, which obviously is not great after a mindless attack by Vandals. Uh, Josh, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, so at least it's this way, so really. For, for one, they're ignoring social distancing rules um, by having multiple youth vandalise vandalise a stadium. I mean, what what must go through people's heads? I know, it's a I mean, lack of humanity. Not, it's a time of crisis at the minute anyway, not just in sport, but across the world. Mm. But to then decide that you're going to go and vandalise a, a team's they work so hard to get what they are and at least no matter who whether you break into a person's house a, a, an amateur team's or a semi-pro team's stadium it's, it's disgraceful really um, I just I'm kind of lost for words it just it, it don't get what goes through people's heads yeah do something like that like why, why do they feel the need to go and vandalise property. Why do they feel the need to go and just do that, especially at a time like this? Like you shouldn't do it anyway. Yeah. To break to break into it's a crime. It's illegal. It's disgraceful. But it's even worse to do it at a time like this when people are struggling so hard to keep afloat. Mm. But a bit of good news coming out of it is that Oxford United's manager, uh, the neighbours of Oxford City, the bigger club Oxford United are. They're in the League One right now, challenging for promotion. Uh, Oxford United manager Carl Robinson has said he is going to talk to the owners of Oxford United and tell them to, well, ask them if they can arrange a friendly to be played at Oxford City Stadium when it's eventually repaired and eventually the football season is back on. Because uh, obviously, if this is done, it will gain a lot of funds for the um, Oxford City and will help them to hopefully re- regain a bit of stability. But it won't do much, but it's a nice gesture from a rival club. Uh, you don't see much of that in football nowadays, but it's really good to see from uh, Carl Robinson. Did you say that was... Sorry, did you say that was going to be played at Oxford United Stadium or Oxford City? Uh, Oxford City, Yeah, one thing that could be made better there is if you play at Oxford United Stadium, it's mm. the biggest stadium, and then give the whole gate receipt to Oxford City. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it would go, whilst it, it might not even mean enough, uh, a lot for Oxford United, that would go miles for Oxford City. That would really help uh, that club get back on the feet. Uh, of course, then there is a whole fact about whether Premier League clubs will be giving money to non-league clubs like Oxford City. That could also help. Uh, but right now, we all of us at the... I completely forgot our podcast name. All of us at the um, Benchwarmers podcast are hoping that this club can get back on the feet and will be challenging, hopefully, in the National League South next season. Uh, they're currently 40th in the league. But saying that, they have had a bit of a wobbly season, if that makes sense. And hopefully, they'll be back up there and... Well, giving a good playoff run if things go well. They've got a good manager and good players and hopefully it should be happening for them. All right, moving away then from the negativity that's going on right now at Oxford City FC. Uh, we're going to move on to some quite a few nicer notes this week. Uh, just a few notes that me and Josh have put together throughout the week on what has happened 
in football. Uh, good things, of course, because we prefer to be positive than negative. Uh, first of all, Walking FC manager Alan Dawson. Dar- Dawson, it's spelled a bit strangely. I think he'll admit that himself. Um, is has officially recovered from the coronavirus. He came out in an interview and said it was absolutely horrendous to have, and he thought he was going to die because he has underlying health issues, which he has not stated what they are publicly, but of course, uh, it's none of our business. Uh, but he said it, he said how horrible it was and he thought he was going to die, what it would mean for the club of walking. But he has come through, he has survived. Great news to see uh, after contracting COVID-19. Uh, he says he's put out a message as well to the public and mainly to the uh, all of walking, really, to say stay indoors, stay safe and protect the NHS because he, ca- he cannot stress enough how scared he was, how how much he just wants this all to be over so football can return uh, and how... How he's glad that he's finally over it um, and how it's given him a different perspective on life and all of that, if that makes sense. It'd be a really good news to see that about walking and big news to the club. Obviously, it was tragic news at the start of the season when Leighton Orient lost manager Justin Edinburgh uh, in a, well, a really shock death, to be honest with you. And it's really good to see that not happening to another club because uh, it'd just be a tragedy and really good news to see, really. Yeah. With walking, Josh, have you got anything to add? Uh, I mean, just happy that people are getting over the coronavirus, really. Mm, um, yeah. It's nice to see it in football. It's nice to see it elsewhere. And it's uh, good on him for fighting it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's really good news, yeah. So, in other news, uh, the father of late French boxer Alexis Vastine this week auctioned his son's 2012 Olympic outfit to raise money for the health workers. So, Alexis sadly passed away in 2015 in a helicopter crash. Um, however, this week, Imeric Laporte, the Manchester City centre-half, bought the outfit from auction, gave it straight back to Alexis' father, and then obviously the money was then donated to the health workers because Laporte didn't want to, um, well, see the outfit just go into the hands of anyone when he wanted to be back with the father and gave him the money. Yeah, it's really good news. Really nice of Laporte to do that, of course. Uh, he didn't need to do it, but he went and did it, which is the act of kindness we want to see in the world right now. Uh, yes, they're moving from the one side of Manchester to the other. Uh, Manchester United captain Harry Maguire has again been playing his part with the UK's coronavirus lockdown. He's been donating food packages to the elderly in his hometown of Mosley, which is actually in South Yorkshire, which is quite near us. Uh, but yeah, he was hailed by team like Marcus Rashford on Wednesday. Uh, when he, when the coordinator of the Manchester United squad responds to the Players Together NHS Fund, which we talked about a bit about last week, I think. Um, but yeah, the, his donations will go a long way in helping a couple of local businesses because uh, obviously those business businesses can not only keep that fruit and vegetable themselves, they can also sell it on to make money for themselves as well as help others while, while doing so. Uh, but he's mainly been donating stuff to people aged uh, 70 or over uh, because obviously they're more at risk with the whole coronavirus Um and he's just wanting to make sure that they're going to be, hopefully, staying safe and healthy in these difficult times, which is really good to see. Uh, he's been a good example of a captain. The kind of captain Manchester United need right now, and he's just been, he's been, in my opinion, one of the, one of the most, I don't know how to say this, one of the best sort of captains in the Premier League for the way he goes about how he does things, his attitude towards uh, big pandemics like this when it comes around. He's got, he's just very mature. Yeah, very mature character towards it all, which is really good to see. Uh, and what um, I'm sure uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be real happy with his captain for doing so. Of course, you know, I, I praise Maguire for what he's doing. I praise anyone really for, for doing that, whether they're footballer or not. I think it's 
it's exceptional going out of going out of your own way to help other people in your community is, is outstanding. Yeah. Um, so I'm from England to Italy. It has emerged this week that Roma players are going to give up four months of their wages. Uh, they're not going to be paid at all for four months. So Roma captain Edin Dzeko and manager Paolo Fonseca uh, helped lead the proposal by both sending letters to the Roma hierarchy. Uh, Chief Executive Guido Fienga has, um, well, he's lauded the players for their outstanding uh, standing the club values and said they're exceptional and it's a superb gesture which is designed they've given up their wages basically to help the staff who maybe weren't going to be getting paid through this that's all they've done it for just to help the staff every other staff that visit the club yeah it's great news from everyone at Roma I mean they'll be getting paid some of those players will be getting paid over 100 grand a week so for them to give up four months of that for um, to get to help pay the other staff it's, it's just great news and really what we want to see uh, but yeah, really good to see. Uh, I'm going to finish off this little nice segment then with something that we can all relate to. Uh, Morecambe FC. Captain Sam Lavelle, uh, in case you guys don't know, there's been a state into Toto Cup uh, going on, which is like a FIFA tournament, which is uh, like a lot of football clubs being taken part in. And it was Macclesfield Town versus Morecambe. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I actually talked about Josh for this, but um, I think I find it funny. Uh, basically, in the cup, Sam Lavelle was re- representing Macclesfield. I believe it was... Uh, Ironside, uh, Joe Ironside, who was re- representing Macclesfield Town uh, for on FIFA, and Macclesfield won the game nine nil on FIFA, um, and went, went on to Twitter to instantly burst, saying, "There's been another goal. Do I even need to tell you? Scored it. Ironside bags our ninth, and we could be on for double figures." Where Sam Lavelle, the player who was playing for Marker, absolutely broke and replied to him, "It could be du- double figures. I think you try to relax yourself. I lost my head about five goals early, and the state of some of your goals should be a free one up in the first game as well." But it was slightly better than Milan Day, and I'll take the 2-0 in real life. Good to see a bit of friendly banter going on between two clubs who have been definitely struggling in uh, League 2. But it's really good to see uh, how FIFA somehow still managed to annoy people. He could be captain more than I've seen him and get him a healthy wage packet. But it's good to see how he can still get as triggered as that on, on Twitter. For absolutely no reason. Uh, by losing 9-0 on FIFA to in a... Well, you know, the triggering game. Yeah, it is. It's it's quite funny to see. It's gone viral a bit, of course, and he's been getting a lot of um, love for it because he's absolutely mugged Macclesfield Town off there, and it's funny to see. But uh, yeah, it's really good to see uh, all these good things have been happening in the world of football. Uh, if we've missed anything that you, uh, you, everyone listening thinks is good to hear or is funny like that. Uh, let us know in the comments down below on our Twitter pages or even on the podcast if you can. I don't know if you can leave comments on the podcast. Uh, but yeah. So to go along with our changes name, we thought it'd be best, well, not so much best, but nice if uh, you got to know the voices behind the podcast, really. So we thought it'd be nice for you to get to know us, uh, our roles within football and our community. And just so you get to know a bit about the two blokes waffling on at you every single week about football. Yeah. Um, so, God, let's talk about your blog. Okay. Uh, well, in case you guys don't know, uh, I am. Well, one of the reasons we actually do the podcast is because uh, it was recommended that we do it to go along with my blog uh, as I'm trying to become a sports journalist. Hopefully, uh, doing. I would, I'd rather do lower league teams than obviously the higher league teams because I prefer to cover the more of the. The smaller clubs, if that makes sense, uh, to build more of a personal relationship with them. 
Uh, currently, mainly write about Bradford City as long as Bradford Park Avenue, but I try and focus around League Two, non-league area. Uh, I feel it's easier to write as I can relate to it as a Bradford City season ticket holder, and uh, I go with Bradford Park Avenue every now and then. Um, yeah, not really much else to say about. It. We run the podcast mainly, uh, well, not mainly, but not only do we want to do it for a while because we were actually discussing it before we decided to do it. We were originally just going to do it for fun, but eventually it was recommended to me when I was on work experience at the Huddersfield Examiner to actually do a podcast as it would help gain more recognition and grow our horizons as a uh, as a footballing sort of group of mates, if that makes sense. And so they recommended to a podcast and so we started Football Weekly and then we eventually, of course, changed the name to, uh, I've completely forgot my name again, <laughs> the Venture One, is that right? Yeah, uh, so it's going to take some getting used to. Uh, but yeah, it's really good yeah, to... Just, just have it written down and stick it on your laptop. Yeah, I really need to. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing interviews with a few non-league footballers, for example, Tyrell, Tyrell Witt and Ryan Beswick of Tamworth FC, Daryl Knightson, AFC Tuffle, which got a lot of hate, by the way. Um, not very happy about that, but we won't talk about that. As well as I've got one coming out very soon uh, with Morecambe footballer Lamin Yagne, as well as hopefully Port Vale chairman Carol Shanahan, which should be a good one, but she's, I'm talking to her right now about maybe starting that. Uh, because I asked her if she'd be willing to, and she got into it. Uh, but moving away from my blog, then another person who's interested in football is Josh, uh, and Josh is currently a coach. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a FA Level One qualified coach, so I coach a local team, Norris Thorpe. I coach one of their junior teams, and um, currently in like the the junior soccer, the little leagues as such. So it's not quite as competitive as uh, what we play. But all I'm doing is just trying to get kids into football, really, because nowadays all they do is then they just sit on their iPads or the PlayStations, Xboxes, whatever. Mm, yeah. I'm not really engaging in what football's actually about. So what my role is, is to basically get as many kids into football as I possibly can, coach them, teach them the basics, get them into actual games with other teams in the area. Basically, just have a laugh whilst trying to help them progress through football, learning different skills, which have, we've established many of them are better skills than me. Um, they do they do think I'm messy though because I am actually quite good compared to. Can't relate to that. Can't relate to that. Yeah, so obviously I coach them, but as we shall belong to, I am also the head coach of Bolton FC, um, which is. Our Sunday League team, who we have dragged from little crossbar challenges with whoever the hell decided to turn up at a pitch, <laughs> yeah. to almost being a fully fledged Sunday League side. Um, well, at least we were ever so close to getting there before Corona. Uh, yeah, we were literally like a few steps away. In the mood, we literally just had to register with the league. Uh, we were registered with the league or registered with the FA. We have to say? register with the league and then buy the equipment. Yeah, that's, that's all we have to do, and then we've been playing in the league next season. But unfortunately, Corona has put a hopefully a temporary halt on that. Uh, but if you're ever wondering, oh, why is the two random people just talking about football? They've done nothing. Well, you've got a trainee journalist and a trainee manager talk to you about football. So if you think we don't do anything, we do do a little bit, um, which is uh, obviously a little bit, not, not so much as you like. So if you Gary Lineker and uh, yeah, no, Gary we do have to do research before. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, uh, of course. On top of this, we do actually do the podcast in West Yorkshire. Uh, I'm not going to tell you our exact stress because that would be a bit strange. Uh, but we do the podcast in West Yorkshire, which obviously uh, is why one of the reasons we both support. I support Bradford City in the depths of League 2 and Josh supports Huddersfield Town. Josh, how have you seen the Huddersfield Town season going so far? How do I... Uh, damn, questionable. Um, yeah, questionable to say the least. I mm. think we started off 
very, very shaky under Jan Seber. Um, he kind of carried on for the back end of our final season in the Premier League, really. Yeah. Just not really getting the form. We never, we haven't been getting goals for a good three seasons now. Since David Wagner came in, really, we haven't been getting goals. You know, we're one of the only, I think we're the first team and only team to ever be promoted to the Premier League with a minus goal difference. <laughs> nice. I mean, that is, it's, it's shocking, you know. We, we definitely, when we win games, we win 1-0. When we lose games, we tend to lose three or four nil. So you can kind of see why. Yeah. You know, we're not ones to we're not ones where if we're two 0 down, we don't think we're going to get back into the game. But recently, under Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley, can't forget the can't forget him because he's as bad as influential as Danny really. Mm. Where you know, we're, I think our season's kind of I wouldn't say it's kickstarted. I don't think it's nowhere close to being kickstarted. But if the season had progressed and it hadn't have been postponed. I can safely say we would have stayed up and potentially pushed the top half next season. Mm, yeah, I think in January when we brought in the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, mm. I think he has completely transformed the team. He's a million times better Alex Pritchard. In my opinion, he's a ten times better Aaron Moy. Um because he's young, he's not he's not scared to run at players, which is what you need from a central attacking midfielder. Yeah, and in, in my opinion, he is arguably one of the best players in the championship. Now that's a bold statement, but at the end of the day, he played for RB Leipzig, he's played for Arsenal in the Premier League, in the Europa League, and he's a young lad. I think he's nineteen, and the courage he shows on the ball and the confidence he has, it reminds me of the Zidane. Yeah, not so I'm not saying he's as good as Zidane. But it's the fact that the ball never leaves his foot. He's always in control of it, and he can send one, he can send a player one way and go the other way effortlessly. Like you, you think of some of Huddersfield's best players, you've got your like think your Carl Ancram, your Christian, your Bakuna. They can all do that, but not as effortlessly as Emil Smith Rowe can. And yeah, I, I hope he's with us next season. I really do hope we can get him back on loan because. Yeah. I mean, from, from an outside point of view, for a full season. from an outside point of view, from a league to rock on, his creativity and quality is unquestionable. Uh, he's, I think he will be the one to take over from Mesut Ozil uh, at Arsenal, hopefully soon, as because I think he's got the quality, he's got the potential to do so, and hopefully we'll see him. Is he English? He's English, you know. He's English. I, I, I can one hundred percent see him getting an England cap in the next couple of years. I think, in my opinion, I don't like Ozil. I've never rated Ozil. No. Um, he's not. For me, he's lazy. When he wants to play, he can play, but majority of the time he doesn't want to play, so he can't play. Um, but Emil Smith-Rowe, he, he doesn't support Huddersfield. In fairness, it wouldn't surprise me if he'd never heard of us before we got promoted. <laughs> um, Little club. But, yeah, but he puts 100% in every single, he puts 100% in every single game. Mm. And I really, really do like him as a player. I think he's an outstanding player. And like I said, I hope we get him next season. Because there is not a chance Arsenal letting him go, and if they do, no. they're, they're idiots. It's far too good. So, sticking with West Yorkshire, as Gab said earlier, he supports Bradford City. So, how long have you been a Bradford fan for, Oh, I don't know. Uh, I've been thinking of being a Bradford fan since I was about 10 years old. Um, my dad used to play for them. He's pattern- plastic. Pardon? <laughs> no, no, no. You can't be a plastic fan <laughs> in spot of League 2 club. Uh, my dad used to play for them in the youth academy before he received an injury, uh, which is one of the main reasons. He got me and my brother play, um, watching them. 
Um, my first ever game I remember was Stockport County in the league. And I think we won 4-3, I think it was my first ever game, which is obviously was a great experience. I couldn't even tell you any of the players who scored or any of the names who even played. I mean, Stockport now have literally just got promoted from the National League North to the National League. So, it's mental to see how they went. I mean, I, speaking of first games, I remember my first game for Huddersfield. Who did you watch? I couldn't tell you when it was. No, I couldn't tell you when it was, but I can tell you who we played and what the score was. It was um, Brentford at home back in League One, and uh, we drew 4 4. Exactly. First games always seem to be the best games. Like, it's the ones you never know, forget, and there's a reason for it. You never go and see a 0 0 for your first game. Are you unlikely to? No, I think, I think it was the season before we got promoted to League One. Mm. Sorry, before we got promoted to League Two. Jesus, I can't speak. Before we got promoted to the Championship. No, because I remember, the sec- I remember the second game I went to, we lost 2-0 at home to Warsaw, which um, ended our unbeaten running the Championship. It's one of the longest runs in English football. Mm. I think it was something like 44 games unbeaten we went, and we lost 2-0 at home. And that was my second ever town game. I remember that because it's... Probably the two most memorable games, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, going back onto Bradford. Um, well, things have just been going down now uh, since the 2017 playoff final. In that season, we had my favourite player I've seen at Bradford, Josh Cullen. Uh, everyone knows how much I love him, or all my mates do. Uh, I've sang his son about 600 times, which I swear down. Uh, he, well, in that team, we went unbeaten at home for an entire season before we lost in the playoff final to an offside goal, may I add, which wasn't given offside to Millwall, Steve Morrison. Uh, I got bullied about for about the next three years. Uh, but ever since then, things have been going down nil. The season after, we, for some reason, had Stuart McCall sacked. He was the best man driver, so that the club. I, I preferred him to Phil Parkinson, and Parkinson got us to the playoff, uh, got us promoted from League 2 to League 1. Uh, so the, the EFL Cup final, where we lost 5-0 to Swansea, helped us beat Chelsea 4-2. I always preferred McCall for me, Clemens. I thought his football was better. Uh, it was tacky. It was great to watch with the likes of Matt Marshall. Uh, but yeah, uh, things went downhill. He was sacked for some reason against Oldham. We literally, we have had not won six games, I think, but we were still well in the playoff room. I think we were fourth or fifth in the league, which obviously is a great position to be in. We were only predicted to get playoffs. Uh, but saying that, he was sacked. We went up to Simon Grayson, who was absolutely woeful and one of the worst managers I've seen in Bradford, in my opinion. Uh, it was he's too he's so big headed. I think he recently lost his job to Black uh, at Blackpool and literally came out and publicly slated them, saying how he was better than the club and the players came to play it under him and not Blackpool. Uh, did he manage Huddersfield or at Leeds or at both? Who it? Simon Grayson. Both. Oh, did he? You see, he's been all he's been all over the place. Uh, but yeah, he's a big big headed manager. I'd never liked him. We went on to Martin Drury. And uh, it, that was when we were part of bad ownership under Edin Rahic, who obviously I can't stand him. Uh, but he literally appointed our under-18s, I think he was, manager, as our first team manager, which was a bad call. Uh, because literally he never managed to come in his life. He was still playing professionally for Halifax Town at the time when he was appointed as our manager. So it was a weird decision. And obviously it backfired. Uh, it was because Rahic wanted to pull the strings behind the club. A lot of people don't know about it, but... We had a story a bit like Bury's at the time, but luckily we managed to come away with it in the early stages rather than let it play out like Bury did with the Dale figure. Uh, but yeah, then we went on to, I've completely forgot, what was his name? David Hopkin. It was a long ball merchant when it comes to the style of play. Uh, he was never really liked. He was Bradford's Yeah, he was Bradford's records record signing when he played when he signed for us from Leeds back in the day when we were in the Premier League. I think he only played like 10 times for us and he cost us I think, well over a million, I think it was. 
uh, which obviously was a big was a big prize back then in the Premier League. Uh, but uh, yeah, David Opkin never really good. We came on to Gary Boyer, who at first was a great manager. Uh, he beat P- Peterborough United, who were up there at the time in his first game. I think three one, and we saw a beautiful goal from Jacob Butfield. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, he slowly decayed as time went. We brought in James Vaughan, the likes of that. Um, and then eventually he went, went and Stuart McCall to return to the club. And while things have, have not been a great start under McCall, I'm confident they'll turn it around. Eventually we'll be back in League One. Eventually we'll be going back up to the Championship and League One level. I can assure you of that. But I've just lost Josh on the call. So... I'll get back to him in a minute, but yeah, Bradford, hopefully we're getting back there. I think with the right signings and with the right sort of management team he's got behind him, we'll certainly be uh, coming back up. And yeah, McCall's certainly the man for the job. Uh, moving on then to Hall of Bradford. Um, sorry, Josh's call, mate. I'll be back in a second. I'd just like to make a quick correction to what I said earlier. I said Huddersfield uh, lost 2-0 to Warsaw, which ended our 43 game unbeaten run. I do apologise, it wasn't Warsaw. It definitely was my second game, but we didn't lose 2-0 to them. At least I don't think and we ended up losing our unbeaten run to Charlton 2-0 at the Valley, not at the Town Farm Stadium, whatever it was called back then. So I apologise for that to all Town fans listening, which is me. Plastic. We're both plastic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um so, as I said earlier about me being the head coach of our Sunday League team, mm. FC, we just thought we'd, uh, well, we talk about it a bit, didn't we, really? From crossbar challenge in the middle of the field to nearly enough getting to uh, Sunday League. What do you make of it? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, if you want to know how we all came about, then, like Josh said before, we were doing silly crossbar challenge on the field. Uh, obviously, we were just a group of mates at school, at high school at the time, uh, before GCC's. Uh, yeah, it really did start from year seven, where a few of us met, and eventually more and more people came to the group, and eventually we became, well, just like a like a big squad, if that makes sense. Um, not in terms of football, but in terms yeah. of just real life as well. And uh, we still play like PS4 with each other. We talk with each other constantly, and eventually it got to the point where we want to start a football league, um, an actual Sunday league team because we had a, we have a six society team called Blame FC. We finished fourth in the uh, in the Power Play Murphy League, which obviously was. Good, because at the time, we didn't expect that. We thought we were awful, to be completely honest with you. Um, we had to bring in a few better players. Well, no, that, that, was our, that was our A, that was our a team, because our team was that, yeah, yeah. that big. That we, we had an A team and a B team. On, so we had to make another team. Yeah, there were so many. So we had to make an A team and a B team, because people weren't getting the game time. Um, like Henry, who was in the podcast, he came for the A team every week, paid every week, <laughs> but never actually played for us. Uh, so we felt a bit bad for him. So eventually we made a B team. Which uh, he I do not take responsibility for that. No, no. I, I say it's just, Henry should have just stopped playing and eventually see what was happening a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, uh, Henry's, <laughs> funny enough, Henry said he didn't want to be in the Sunday League team. So you could, you could go for the whole six, six siphon and go with that too fair. Probably maybe he won't be playing too much. Anyway, um, yeah, in terms of our management, we've got um, Josh as the head coach slash manager. Uh, and we've got uh, we've got a guy called Jack Needler who was on one of the previous podcasts. He helped set up all of Blayman, uh, but unfortunately he was just slightly too young to play for us. He's 15 years old. It's going to sound a bit weird actually with this, uh, but he's good for his age, very good for his age. He's a good goalkeeper, uh, and now we are currently lacking a goalkeeper because he can't play for us. But yeah, he helped set up all of Blayman, so big thanks to him. Um, as well as that, like, he's in the six side team. He's one of the one part of our whole setup going on, and uh, I think I I've, I honestly think we should probably offer him like an assistant manager role if that makes sense. Alongside you, Josh, but yeah, we could. 
Yeah, we could do because in the day when I play, no one's going to listen to me when I'm on the pitch. Yeah, uh, so I'm someone on the touchline. Blair in order, as I tell him to. Mm, yeah, and he plus when you're if you're say just on the pitch because he'll be playing up front. Uh, we who's going to make the changes on the sideline? Unless just go tell people from the pitch, but you never know who's going to make the changes. So hopefully that will be Jack. Uh, but yeah, like I said before, we are actually looking for a goalkeeper. So if anyone listens, this happens to be a Sunday League worthy goalkeeper. We, we literally couldn't care less if you were like forty stone. It's forty stone a lot. I, can't, I don't know where it works. If you're if forty you're, stone is a lot, Gab. Yeah, right, right, if you couldn't care less if you're forty stone, and you uh, can barely. Walk. We just need a goalkeeper, and we're just standing between the sticks right now. We've got uh, John, who is a goalkeeper who isn't quite up to the standards we're looking for. In, in fairness, when we've been doing six side training, because you know it's like that one touch tick attacker Pep Guardiola style, you know, amazing coach, mate. Yeah. Um, he's been like bloody man, what not? Yeah. I mean, like Jack has as well, you know. Yeah, because he's, he's so tall. In top bins, and then Jack <laughs> magically pulls out a save. Yeah, he's so tall, he just fits up the entire net, though. He, like, he can just put his arms on either side and he'd fit the entire net like that, uh, which is probably one of the reasons why he's good in the six side nets. Uh, but yeah, um, seriously, if, you wanna, if you're looking for a new Sunday League club and you want to um, get back involved in football, if you've been out for a while, let us know on our Twitters and we'll probably give you a trial and see how it goes. Uh, it might fit in perfectly, or you might not fit in at all, you never know. Uh, but... Yeah. Anyone would fit in, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, um, focus on the league right now. Josh doesn't really prefer the league team because he's more focused on his coaching. I believe is that right? Uh, I have no idea what you just said. It worked out then. What did you say? All right, um, you focus more on your coaching, and you you don't play on the league right now because you focus more on your coaching. Yeah, um, I, I, I've not played football like since properly I've played the on and off Sunday League game don't tell the FA but I've stepped in for a few teams um, over the past couple of years but I've never actually played I've not played for a team properly since Norris Thorpe back under 12s maybe Jesus <laughs> that's our striker so quite so quite a while no but in fairness in the meantime I have played for um, winning North Region Air Cadets Okay. As a striker, yeah. Um, well, I say I played for the North Region, which is like north of England-ish. I did get selected as their first striker, but the game actually never went ahead. It got cancelled. Oh. Uh, we don't talk about that. No, oh, okay. Uh, well, along with that, I currently play for the Bayfalls League Club, um, who are, do, are well, they weren't doing great until we brought in a few people, and then we're doing good. But what we're saying is, we we do have some experience in the league level, so hopefully, Blame and Will manage to flourish at that level. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what else no, you can say. Got, you've got a coach who's well. You've got a coach who's been coaching now Norris Thorpe properly for a season qualified and half a season not qualified, mm. and uh, he's taken his second qualified season to do both Norris Thorpe and Berlin. Yeah, I believe we've got a good enough quality so coach to compete. Gaining experience from working with the coach at Norris Thorpe, I'll be doing it on my own at Berlin, and mm. uh, yeah. I can use a couple more advanced drills with you. What? Uh, yeah, we've got a, we've got a good enough squad to compete, and we believe we'll 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 be pushing hopefully for promotion from Division Three. Is that what it's called, or Division C? Division Three, I think it's called. I don't know if it's called C. Uh, I think it changed. Well, at the end of the day, I'm the chairman. I set the objectives, so I'm just setting myself objectives. So I'm I'm saying as long as we don't finish bottom, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how we're in sixth as well. As long as we don't finish bottom. Uh, look at the one team that we're absolutely <laughs> woeful sixth side. Uh, but yeah. Alright, so that's going to bring this week's episode of the Bench Warmers podcast to a close. Uh, let us know what you think of the new name, for example. Uh, and along with that, I'd like to thank my co-host, Josh Sykes, for joining me once again. 
Cheers for having me again, Gab. It's a, it's a new adventure with this new name. Yeah, hopefully it will uh, be as successful as Football Weekly was. Um, and along with that, we uh, hope that you learn a lot about us and about the people who talk to you over the microphone uh, of your earphones every week. Uh, hopefully you can now connect with us a bit more on a personal level, if, level, if that makes sense. Uh, if you're a Bradford or Hussle fan, for example, or even if you're a coach, you're coach like Josh yourself or trying to get into journalism like me. Uh, if you're, uh, yeah. Well, that's going to bring this week's podcast to a close. Along with that, we hope that um, you learned a lot about the whole Newcastle and the all the good news which is going on right now in football, along with Oxford City. Uh, but yeah. Uh, remember to stay home, save lives, and protect the NHS.